fun. Hey guys, welcome back to the Students of Business podcast. Today we're here with Mark Beal. Mark Beal is an assistant professor at Rutgers and he was the managing director at Taylor. And he's also the author of Decoding Gen Z. Uh, welcome Mark to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. This is my favorite topic right now. <laughs> All right. So um, I, first we want to start off with Taylor, right? Um, it was one of your businesses back in, uh, in, the, in your past. So um, what did your company do? Yeah, absolutely. I spent uh, more than 25 years there. And throughout the 90s and 2000s, we helped, you know, category leading brands and companies. So Taco Bell is an example, you know, create campaigns. They might have been public relations campaigns, integrated marketing campaigns. But at the end of the day, there were campaigns intended to engage the target audience, right? Engage consumers. So for brands, whether you're Coca-Cola, Nike or another brand, you've got target consumers, right? Certain consumers may be more important than others based on their age, based on their life stage. So, you know, our conversation today is great because Generation Z is now becoming a primary focus for many companies, many brands, even employers as they look to recruit Gen Zers out of college. So um, where throughout the 2000s, millennials for many was probably the primary focus, um, I think as we're into 2021, 22, 23, 24, 25, Gen Z will now become the primary focus for many, many, many brands, not all brands, but I believe for many brands, which is why, you know, I'm so impressed by the work that you've already started doing because companies and brands who want to engage, and that's the word, engage Gen Z, um, they really should be talking to, you know, individuals like you who have a pulse on what Gen Z is all about. Yeah, and thank you so much. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to ask, right? So, um, what made you leave your company, right? Like, what was your calling to like write a book or move on to other different things? Yeah, it was just it was just a combination of one. I've been there for many many years, but more I got the chance to teach at Rutgers University, which is also where I went to school. I earned a degree in journalism from there, um, and so the chance to go back to the university, back to Rutgers, and and give back to students to me was my calling at this point in my career, right? After nearly 30 years in public relations and marketing, it was time to give back, right? All those experiences, all my connections, my network, everything I had learned, I just thought now's the time to really pay it back or pay it forward. Um, and I think that's really important. I think it's really important, you know, as you, as you have a successful career, you've got to figure out how do you, how do you again, give back and pay it forward to the next generation. And so that's, that's what I do now. You know, I spend so much of my time um, helping that next generation, which right now is Gen Z, you know, secure internships, get experience, network, um, get that job after college. And that's my primary focus now in collaborating with Gen Zers, aside from, again, my research on Gen Z and my you know, my uh, speeches and, and, and books and everything else about Gen Z, but it's really immersing myself in this generation and trying to help them just as there were some key folks who helped me way back when, when I graduated, I want to do the same now. I want to help as many students, whether high school students like yourself, who, you know, are starting an agency and trying to figure out how do we, how do we run our agency to uh, college students who want to try to get internships and jobs and get experience. Um, so it's really my, my primary focus. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's definitely great because I've heard that um, it's only getting harder to find a job and having some type of guidance, um, like to get internships, to get a job right out of college is definitely something very, very important, very, very good 
Well, you raise a great point. It's more challenging, but ever since this pandemic arrived, it's never, it's never been this challenging, right? Because the pandemic arrived in March of 2020. Immediately, college students who had internships already set for the summer, most of those were canceled. So now all of a sudden you're a college sophomore, college junior, getting ready, you know, you're excited about this internship. It's gonna be a great experience. It's gonna go on your resume. You find out mid-March, late March, early April, the internship was canceled. Now what do I do? So I quickly moved into a mode of, well, we can still find ways to help our students get experience. It may be remote, it may be virtual, but I know there are ways. So I literally started picking up the phone and just calling a variety of folks in my network and saying, are there still potentially ways? Maybe it's not the formal internship where they physically come into the office and they're working there five days a week. And so that's what's happened. And now a year later, as we're in 2021, what I'm seeing there are more of my students who graduated who are being offered jobs now. I'd say more, I've seen more uh, students getting jobs in the last month or so than I did in the last four or five months. I'm seeing many more students securing internships. And what I think has happened is I think companies, organizations, agencies, a year into the pandemic have realized how to kind of proceed with business, how to conduct business virtually and remotely. If you think about it, when the pandemic arrived, everything kind of came to a screeching halt, right? Everything, marketing, um, uh, just the way we operate, the way we conduct business. A year into it now, I, again, that's what I'm seeing. So a year ago, you might say a virtual internship, that's how do we do that? Now, a year later, people are comfortable with that. Organizations are comfortable. Companies are very comfortable. So um, I, I really like where we are now. And I'm seeing so many more students a year later um, securing those jobs, securing those internships. So we're, we're, we're at a point now where we're making progress and students are getting back into it as far as getting that all important experience. I mean, that's really great to hear. Um, one thing you brought up was the pandemic, right? And how things, things change so um, much. And one thing, I mean, one question I wanted to ask is what do you think is gonna be like the future of like the job industry, like the job market after the pandemic? Do you think it's gonna be like virtual still or like, cause I know like some companies they've, they've opted to go like fully at home. But what do you think will be the future? Well, I love that you asked that because pre-pandemic, before there was anything called a pandemic um, in, say, 2019, when I was presenting, I said then, Gen Z is going to bring a transformation to the workplace. So I said this well before the pandemic, well before. It's even You can even find the recording of it. Um, and what I said was they're going to force companies to uh, adopt things like remote work. Um, WFA, work from anywhere, uh, four-day work weeks, um, because this generation, meaning you, right, you and Gen Zers, yeah. you know how to operate, you know how to work from anywhere in the world using technology. You're comfortable working anytime, anyplace, anywhere. You don't physically have to hop on a bus or a train and go to a building and work, right? You, In fact, you even, I, I love that you even kind of smiled there. You even like laugh at that and think like, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm running my own agency right from here, right? So yeah. I said that before, and then I wrote a column for the Newark Star-Ledger, which also appeared in NJ.com at the start of the pandemic. And I said, this pandemic is going to expedite what, I, what Gen Z was already going to bring on. And it's gonna expedite remote working, you know, virtual um, and other things. And we are seeing that to your point. We're seeing major companies saying, you know, maybe we don't have to go back to, the, to those headquarter buildings. We're seeing agencies and marketing and other places actually becoming virtual agencies where they've realized 
Maybe we don't have to spend money on rent like we spent. Maybe we can be a virtual agency. So it's all happening now, only a year into the pandemic. It's only going to expedite as we get into 22, 23, 24, 25. And I truly believe that individuals like you and older Gen Zers, as you, so to speak, start companies, you're 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 gonna you're you're gonna start them that way. You're like, shoot, we can have a we can have a company virtually here. We don't we don't need to physically now. What do you lose there? Well, what you lose is the face-to-face contact, the face-to-face collaboration. You know, you can get a lot done when you get together in a room and you strategize and brainstorm. So I still think we need a lot of that, but maybe we don't necessarily need to go every single day and report somewhere. Um, maybe we can be just as effective and as efficient, you know, in a remote virtual way. So I think we need a little bit of a balance. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like a maybe like a hybrid type of environment. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. So uh I want to shift gears a little bit and sure. I want to talk about more about your book. Yes. Or books actually. Books, yes. Um for everyone listening, uh, Mark's the author of uh two books, Engaging Gen Z and uh Decoding Gen Z, 101 Lessons, Generation Z. Well, Teach Corporate America, Marketers and Media. So uh, first I want to ask, what inspired you to write these books? Well, it's funny. So I've got one right here. So I'm glad you brought it up. Thank you. Uh, Engaging Gen Z, which just came out in 2020. Um, It goes back to the point I made earlier. In 2017, I think I had just finished teaching a course at Rutgers and I was driving home and a light bulb went off. And I combined kind of my experience with the students on campus with my, you know, 25 plus years in marketing And I said, if millennials have been the focus, these Gen Zers will be the focus. And that honestly was the inspiration. And so if Gen Zers are going to be the focus, again, 20, 21, 22, 23, well, marketers need to understand what they're all about, right? They need to understand what are they doing on their phones? Um, Why aren't they reading newspapers and watching traditional television? What channels are they consuming, right? How do they respond to traditional advertising? All those things. So I was in, you know, I'm not saying by any means was I the first to think of it, you know, but, but that's where my, my thought process was in 2017. And sure enough, it's playing out now. So in 17, I just started gathering all the research that was done around the world on Gen Z and just started reading it all. In early 18, I started interviewing Gen Zers from age 13, high school freshmen to age 23, those who had just graduated from college. And as I gathered it, I was really focused more on, again, the idea of this, you know, engaging Gen Z content, uh, media, uh, all those kinds of things. And it was just fascinating. Every interview I conducted was more fascinating than the next one. And I just felt like with every interview, like even when you and I speak, I just there's insights and information that say you'll share with me that, again, I think is just exactly what if I'm a marketer at Go back to those companies again, you know, Procter and Gamble, Coca-Cola, Adidas, Nike, and many, many, many more. Um, they need this information. I, when I present to large groups, which I do often, I sometimes draw a connection and you're too, you're too young for this. You want to remember this, but Tom Hanks many years ago was in the movie Big, right? Where he was an adult who um, became a kid in the movie and all of a sudden, he was um, working at uh, he was working at this toy company and he's sitting around the table and he's, uh, you know, I don't know how old, let's just say 10, 11, 12 years old. And he's sitting around the table with executives who are 30, 40, 50 and 60, a toy company. 
Well, who knows better about toys than a 10 or 11 or 12 year old? But yet it was the 30, 40, 56 year olds who were saying, oh, we should be selling this and marketing it this way and advertising it this way. I draw that connection to Gen Z all the time. I say to companies, do not hypothesize or attempt or assume or presume what it is Gen Z is looking for. You know, as a 25, 35, 45, 55 year old market, you do not know. What you need to do is engage Gen Zers like you and form what I call a Gen Z think tank, a Gen Z incubator, or better yet, engage your agency, even better yet, because only you know what Gen Z is looking for, how they want to be engaged, what appeals to them, what kind of content appeals to them, all those kinds of things, right? So as I wrote the books, I had that in mind too, that, um, you know, this insight, this information I'm getting from Gen Z is really, really important because, uh, again, as you and other Gen Zers become the primary focus of, again, uh, employers, recruiters, marketers, advertisers, um, you're unlike any generation before you. So they have to kind of throw out the old playbook that they've used for years and years and years and years. And they really need to bring, as I like to say, you and Gen Z into the boardroom and they need to collaborate with you to determine, okay, how do we market? How do we advertise? How do we create content? And so that's kind of my message through in the books and in my speeches. Yeah, I, I think like whenever like I pitch to someone or whenever I, I'm talking to someone, like some executive or something, I always talk about the fact that like, uh, there's a lot of stuff that data and statistics can tell you. And this is what like, like 35, 45, 55 year old marketers will use to back up their like theories. But like, there's some stuff, there are some things that data misses, right? Like there are some like, like blind spots that like only Gen Z would know. And that's how we can, uh, I guess, like a Gen Z agency or Gen, real Gen Zers could help. So I think that's really great. Well, that's why, and again, I, and I, you know, I know I, I give you a lot of credit. You're, you're one of the, you know, one of the few Gen Z agencies out there that is led by a Gen Z or providing Gen Z insights. But to your point, you know, I always, when I present, I always credit a company like Target. Target was the first company back in 18 who create, who thought, was thinking ahead and created a nationwide Gen Z incubator. So what did they do? They invited Gen Zers from all across the country who had interests in fashion, fitness, video games, e-commerce, et cetera, and said, you know what? We've got a powerful brand, but our brand's only gonna be so powerful over the next decade or two if we collaborate with you Gen Zers. And they were the first ones and they created a Gen Z, again, incubator or think tank, whatever you wanna call it. And they've continued to do that. And so it's the Gen Zers who they're working with day in and day out who are informing and inspiring advertising, informing and inspiring uh, the experience on their website, informing and inspiring the experience in the store, um, content, uh, all those things. And so whenever I speak to a company, I'm like, replicate what Target has done. You should be doing the exact same thing. You should be inviting Gen Zers in to create, again, this think tank or incubator. And if you do, you will be successful over the next 10, 15, 20 years. If you don't, um, you know, things may not go so well because if you don't truly engage and understand and collaborate with Gen Z, uh, you're not going to win them over as customers, loyal customers who are going to advocate for your brand. You're just not going to do it. Yeah. I mean, we saw this with the millennials, right? Right. Like people that failed to like market to millennials, right? They were stuck in like the past generation. They, they're out of business now. You see like a lot of um, different companies that have gone out of business over the last few months, few years. So it's, it's a little tough to see that many businesses go out of business, but it's, it shows you the importance 
And I, um, and I think to your point, it's even more important with your generation, just because I think, again, things are moving much more quickly. Um, your generation can make or break a company. I truly believe that uh, both through your purchasing power, but also your power on social media to truly, I, I, you know, we see it, we've seen it. So um, again, if I am running a company, a brand, an agency, what I would do, again, I, I give credit to Target, but I would create, I, you know, I've given different names, but I, I talk about the idea of bringing an army of what I call ZEOs, Gen Zers, who you're going to empower to inform and inspire different aspects of your company and business. Now, the thing we have to be uh, caveat that with, and I always do, you know, many, many brands don't just have one consumer segment they're focused on, right? So let's just take a, let's just take a mega brand, uh, Pepsi, we'll take Pepsi, right? Well, Pepsi, within PepsiCo, there are beverage products, there are food products. You know, they are just focused on Gen Z, right? They're focused on millennials, they're focused on Gen X and Boomer. So it's not like all their marketing and advertising is only focused on one consumer segment, but the marketing and advertising and budget and everything else that is focused on Gen Z needs to be informed and inspired by Generation Z. Yeah, definitely. I think... Um, one thing we've seen is over the pandemic, companies have kind of shifted their focus a little bit more than what they did pre-pandemic. So you've seen like a lot of, um, I think especially like right now what's popular is the partnerships. Yes. Um, right. Yes. So I wanted, I wanted to know, like, I mean, McDonald's had like their own partnership with uh, Jay Baldwin and uh, Travis Scott and a couple of other people. So I wanted to know what you thought about that type of idea. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because that's something I do highlight in my speeches. I always feature that. And, and what I talk about is the idea of, you're right. So you've got McDonald's and Travis Scott and Travis, excuse me, McDonald's and their quarterly earnings will talk about how sales increase and they give a lot of credit to that partnership, a lot of credit. Um, you've seen Crocs in 2020, a brand that was not even relevant, I would say, in you know, 18, 19. Now, all of a sudden, the New York Times at the end of 2020 said the brand of the year, Crocs, because again, a lot of those collaborations and partnerships. So to me, it all goes back to the idea of you know, collaborating, if, again, if you're trying to engage Gen Z, if you're trying to do that, we even saw, it even today, just a quick one, Rolling Stone announced today, Rolling Stone, the iconic music media company, they're going to be the first media company launching a Twitch, a dedicated Twitch channel. Um, it goes back to the idea that if you're trying to engage Gen Z, well, you either need to go where they're consuming content, so Twitch, TikTok, Instagram, et cetera, and also um, partner, collaborate with individuals or uh, entities that Gen Z follows, is popular with Gen Z, uh, you know, all those things. So I, I think Travis Scott is just a good example because we saw it with McDonald's, but as we've seen now, Travis Scott obviously has partnered with a number of brands. And so Travis, and to your point, it's not, it's not, it's not the traditional he's in an ad and that's it. It's a partnership. And so we don't need to go too deep into with the McDonald's, but so what do we have with McDonald's? So we had a Travis Scott meal. Okay. Now, by the way, that was the first time McDonald's had done a meal uh, with a celebrity since Michael Jordan back in the early nineties. So it's not like they do meals all the time, right? It's not like every year they have a meal. Um, so they had the meal aspect. Okay. Then 
you had a whole merchandise element of Travis Scott inspired merchandise on McDonald's, whole different element. Then of course you had lots and lots of content, right? And all those other kinds of things. I even take it to, um, which I know you, you know well, but I even take it to someone like Charlie on TikTok who's got a hundred million plus followers and expressed her love for Duncan. And Duncan was wise enough to say, well, geez, we better, we should be partnering with this Gen Z era, 16 year old with a hundred, she has more followers on TikTok than any other, anybody, any, any celebrity. Um, and they created a partnership and Duncan will tell you, they've said it publicly, that partnership with Charlie has driven sales, has driven revenue, has driven uh, fandom with the brand. Um, so to me, that's a pretty darn good return on investment because again, they're partnering with something, someone, somebody that has got a um, following within Gen Z. And so it's led to, again, uh, Gen Zers become more aware of. And in that case too, Charlie, like Travis Scott, signature drink at Duncan. So the, the Charlie was at Duncan content and a whole bunch of other surround sound, as opposed to if you did the same thing back in the 80s or 90s, it would have just been an ad. It would have been just a static ad as opposed to an integrated approach to uh, partner with this individual. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's interesting you put, so you brought up like the one ad type of approach is I think like traditional influencer marketing is when like, like you tell, you pay an influencer like, Hey, post for me like twice, one time, whatever, small sum of cash. So, do you think that type of um, marketing, I guess, is going to be kind of extinct um, and is going to be replaced by like this partnership, more partnership featured marketing? It's a great, great, great question. You're absolutely right. As influencers started to become popular or a popular vehicle for brands to promote whatever they're promoting, right? Their product, their service, whatever it is, it became very um, routine is the right word. All right, let's work with this influencer. We need two tweets. We need two posts. We need a, you know this, that. You're right. That to me is, that's 2018, right? 2017, 2019. Now it, it, it's the idea of, you know, do we go, I guess, for lack of a better word, deeper and more integrated. So as opposed to just the simple tweets and posts, you know, let's create more meaningful partnerships um, with individuals. Maybe they don't have 100 million followers on TikTok, but that doesn't matter. Maybe they've got a following that's the right following for us, our brand, right? Um, so, yeah, I would agree with you. I think we're going to start seeing, I, I think we're already seeing, but I think you're going to see more, I guess the best word I can just say is integrated partnerships as opposed to tactical posts and tweets. Um, I do think that, I think we're heading in that direction now and we're going to see more of that uh, because it's one, it's effective. It also prevent, provides kind of a, more of an ongoing, sustained, consistent marketing campaign, right? A content campaign. As you said, a tweet or a post, that's kind of one and done, right? It's, it's here and it's gone, as opposed to something that is an ongoing uh, effort that really, you know, reaches the audience, engages the audience. So yeah, I do think, I think that is right. That is something that's trending that will become more prominent here as we see more and more, especially the, I mean, you look at a McDonald's, a Crocs, Dunkin', these are high profile brands that are traditional television advertising brands who have taken a, a different approach. They're still going to advertise on TV. They're not going to stop that. But they're using this kind of new approach of, of partnerships, partnering with, again, individuals or entities that are popular with Gen Zers. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. And um, expanding on the influencer marketing thing, something that we've seen is um, Gen Zers really like authenticity, right? That's one of the things that like, 
a brand really has to strive for. And um, so something like that we've seen at like our agency is um, sometimes for a brand it may be more effective to find like get these micro influencers, right? Like the 1000 followers, 10,000, 2000 followers, right? So what do you think of that strategy over like the one large one million one follower? I love that strategy. In fact, when I talk about it, I even talk, I call them, you know, I call them nano influencers, right? As you said, maybe they only have a thousand followers, but you know what? Those followers are avid. So I think you bring up a gr- couple of great points here. First, and in my latest research, uh, my latest nationwide uh, survey of Gen Zers, question I asked, who is, the, who is your greatest influence online? And I think the data point was somewhere around 46, 47, 48%. My Gen Z friends, they influence me more than Travis Scott, more than other celebrities, right? So to your point, Gen, your Gen Z friends don't have 100 million followers on. They, don't even, they probably don't even have a million followers, right? They may only have a thousand followers. But what they're saying is that is who is influencing them more than anybody else. So to your point, those are those micro or nano influencers. And so I'm a huge believer. So I bring that up in every presentation. And then I follow that up by saying, if I'm a brand, and not every brand has the budget to hire, uh, to partner with Travis Scott, right? Not every brand yeah. can do that. Um, I say what you just said create ambassador programs, engage with, for lack of a better word, an army of Gen Zers who have avid followings. They may be smaller followings, but they're avid following. So uh, I'll give you a quick example. If I, I presented to Major League Baseball during the World Series between games five and six of the World Series on Gen Z, I presented to all 30 teams. And I said, after I presented or as I presented, I said, Every team that is on this call right now in 2021, if Gen Z is important to you, which we know it is, I would create your own Gen Z ambassador program in your market. So if you're the team in Kansas City, I would identify and engage Gen Zers like you, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, and create a partnership that lasts all season long. And as you said, maybe none of these uh, ambassadors have tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of followers, but the followers they have follow them. But what I like about it is, and baseball is a pretty good example. Sports are good examples. I said, you have so many assets as a professional sports team, so many things that a Gen Z fan of yours, who's in eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade would love just to get access. And what I mean by that is access to the stadium when no one's in there, right? Access to, I don't know, the dugout, access to go out on the field with your camera and shoot footage and then share that. When It's funny, when you work on the team side to you, that's like nothing because every day you go to the stadium and you go to work like, oh, it's just the stadium. No, but to a 15, 16 year old fan of yours who loves your team and all of a sudden you're gonna make them part of a Gen Z think tank or Gen Z ambassador program. And now you say, oh, you know, we're going to give you access to stuff, stuff that you know, no one else is going to have. And just go shoot that and put it out any way you want, right? I just think there's, that's what I, you know, you and I call you know, social currency, right? That's, that's pretty cool currency for a Gen Z to be able to have access and then to be able to share that with friends and followers. So that's, I agree with you. I, I love that approach. Yeah, I think that's really great insight to me. Um, one thing I want to add, so you talked about sports a little bit and something that's been in the news a lot, um, I'm not sure about recently, but uh, like over the last few years is the sports viewership has been following, falling. And especially it's especially bad with Gen Z compared to the other generations because they watch it less, right? So how would you like, 
besides the brand ambassador program, how would you recommend to them like increase the viewership? Yeah, I, it's great. I'm glad you brought this up. I just finished a whole round of qualitative interviews. So I did one-on-one interviews with Gen Zers specifically about sports and television, specifically all in the past three weeks. And this ranged from Gen Zers age 14 to about 24. So, you know, eighth, ninth grade uh, through those who just graduated college. And you're absolutely right. Well, here's what they said. They said, we typically don't watch entire telecasts like maybe our parents do. We're not sitting around watching a three-hour telecast. We're getting our highlights where we want to get our highlights, Instagram, YouTube, right? Maybe TikTok. Um, So we can get our highlights whenever we want, where we want on our phones. We don't need to sit through a telecast. However, they said, what is becoming more and more popular with Gen Zers and society, I guess, are a couple things, you know, fantasy, fantasy sports, statistics, right? All those kinds of things. And then, of course, if you're old enough, sports gambling, sports wagering. And they said that, though, will drive us back to watch entire telecasts of games, because if we have a, so to speak, a stake in the game, if we have, you know, maybe we a small wager on the game or from a fantasy perspective, statistics and things like that, that would get us interested. So that led to, okay, that's interesting. So then that led to insights from Gen Zers who said, and I'm seeing regional sports networks doing this. I'm even seeing maybe some national entities. They're saying what you need to figure out. So these are the Gen Zers saying this to the the sports, the sports teams or sports media companies make the telecast of the game interactive with us and our phones. How can we participate in that telecast? Because if you can figure that out, we will watch, we will tune in. And so, so what's an example of that? Non-sports example. But when you have things like um, consumer voting on American Idol or The Voice, right? It's interaction. All of a sudden I'm at home, but I can participate somehow in this telecast. That's what at least Gen Z sports fans tell me they're looking for with sports telecasts. Because if sports telecasts are are broadcast the same way they were in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, and it's just the game and who's beating who and that's it, they're not going to tune into that. But if it offers them kind of an interactive, engaging experience, whether that's through, again, voting, statistics, whatever it might be, um, that will draw more eyeballs. So I think that's that's. That's a big component of it. And like I said, I just finished almost uh, two, three weeks of research on this. Uh, so it's timely that you asked that. But it's, a, it's something that sports teams, sports leagues, and sports media companies, especially regional, what they call regional sports uh, television networks, really need to focus on now. Uh, because if they don't focus on now, I don't think they're going to get caught up in a year or two or three. I think they need to start testing some, uh, some, some interactive uh, approaches now. Yeah. And so... I think like, uh, I know like these, I mean, these are great suggestions and something I found, not I found, but I, I saw like the NFL, they, they have their own, like they started to have partnerships. Right. And um, I'm not, uh, like, I know like I just said the NFL, but there are other like companies that have started to like have these strategic partnerships with other companies. Right. Like we talked about a little bit, like influencer partnership with like Charlie D'Amelio and Travis Scott, but um, there've also been a lot of like um, I think like company partnerships that like, um, and it, I, like two examples I have is uh, I think Nickelodeon partnered with the NFL and yeah, yeah. Twitch partnered with the Wendy's. So th- both of those partnerships, I think are like great. So I want to, I want to know your opinion on like, if you, if you think those are effective and if you guys, if you think that brand should do those in the future. I absolutely do. So just a couple of things, you're absolutely right. So 
Nickelodeon is part of CBS Viacom, right? So CBS is an NFL partner and typically the games are on CBS, right? Every week. I watched the entire Nickelodeon telecast. I loved it. I loved it because again, it was not your traditional telecast. Much more, uh, for lack of a better word, engaging, interactive. It wasn't just, again, statistics and uh, who's winning and who's losing. It was informative, all those things. The next day, if you read some of the media, the majority of the media said the NFL and Nickelodeon, you know, did something different and it was successful. Um, I can't remember the viewership number, but it was in the, you know, it was a pretty good number that they drew to. I think it was two, two plus million, let's say. But to me, it's less about how many tuned in. It was just more about being innovative, trying something new, doing something different. Um, all those things, because, okay, let's just take that one example. So if you're a, well, maybe not even Gen Z, if you're Gen Alpha, which Gen Alpha is basically from age one through, let's say seven right now, and Nickelodeon is where you're going to watch cartoons and other programming, and all of a sudden there's a football game on, well, it, you know, at least the NFL is now at a place where young Gen Zers and Gen Alphas are are consuming content. It's the same point I brought up earlier about, you know, and you know this better than I, but Gen Zers, you know, over-index on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitch, and some others. Well, if you're not there, so if you're a sports league, a sports team, or even a brand, and you're not there, well, that means you're not even in Gen Z's, what I call kind of their media mix, right? Um, you got to get in there first. And then once you're in there, you have to do things that are compelling, entertaining, engaging, and all that. But if you're not even in that media mix, well, you're on the outside looking in. And so you have to figure a way how to get in there. And so I, I like I said, I gave two thumbs up to the Nickelodeon because I, I just thought it was, uh, again, being innovative, testing something new, trying something new. And, and I thought it came off very, very well. Yeah, and I think something I found interesting is the fact that you brought up like this younger generation, even Generation Alpha or younger Gen Zers, um, they're going to tune in to watch this. And um, something I learned while I was doing some research is um, – if you're when you're younger and the, th the things that you watch, the things that you wear, the things that you buy, um, those kind of get ingrained in your mind for like, if you think of like, let's say a ketchup brand, right? You'll think of Heinz. If you, if you, when you were uh, little, you bought Heinz, right? So you would, you would think of that, et cetera, et cetera. So if NF, if the NFL or NBA or any other company um, for that matter could um, ingrain like their product or their, like get their product in front of these general alpha gen Zers, I think that's honestly a, a great, um, strategy. I think I, and again, that's coming from Gen Z or you, right? I'm coming from a Gen Z high school student. I agree. And that's why I make this point. And I know it may sound strange to some, but what I say is if you're not starting now, you're not going to all of a sudden magically in 10 years start to engage this consumer. I don't believe so. So to your point, I think you have to figure out ways. How do we, again, get in front of Gen Z now, engage them now, um, because I don't just think, again, it's not just going to happen overnight that, oh, now that they're, you know, 28 years old, we're going to get in front of them. I, I don't think so. I think, I think Gen Zers like you will be more loyal to brands that while you were in high school and while you were in college took notice of you, maybe, maybe brought, I don't know, programming to you or internships to you or, or, or was doing things purposefully in the market. And because of that, you stuck with that brand and you started to build a relationship with that brand. Yeah. Um, okay. So moving on to like, I guess, um, like, I mean, let's keep talking about creative marketing. 
And um, something the brands have also started doing is they've been using their Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts to really like engage with the audience and post like, I guess, funnier stuff or um, interact with their audience, interact with their brands. So I wanted to know, like, I, I think like a prime example um, that most people think about is Wendy's, right? Like they've done a really good job of engaging their audience. So I wanted to know what you think about that. And if you think that other brands should use a similar type of strategy as Wendy's and other brands. Like Absolutely. That. So, so I think I have to do, I think I have first have to give the caveat again, just because we want to make sure anyone who ends up, you know, listening doesn't, doesn't uh, say we're wrong in this. So I think the caveat on this is first, if it's a brand where Gen Z is becoming a primary audience for that brand, right? So, so like in Wendy's case, Taco Bell's case, Gen Z is a really important audience to those brands, really important. So in those cases, if Gen Z is either your primary audience or is, is becoming your primary audience, right? Because for certain brands, as you know, some brands don't even care about Gen Z. They're focused more on, you know, old Gen Xers like me. They don't need to change anything, right? But for brands like that, and there is so much that has been written about Wendy's. So if, if no one has ever seen or read about it, they should. And here's the key things about Wendy's and why it's so successful. And to your point, when I go into a room of Gen Zers, which I hope to do again soon since we've all been remote. But the first thing I do is I do a quick survey. Hey, what brands are, are some of your favorite brands? Wendy's, Wendy's, Wendy's. Why? Their social media is on target. It's on time. And so as you dig deeper into that, if you read about Wendy's social media, there's a couple of things. One, they empower their Gen Z employees and probably some young millennials to run those owned media channels, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever they may be. They empower them. So what does empower mean? It means they pretty much have decision-making ability instantly. They don't have to go to lawyers. They don't have to go to legal and say, can I say this? Can I write this? Can I, can I um, respond this way? So they've given them power. Also importantly, as I noted, they've given power to people who understand Gen Z, Gen Zers. So young Gen Z executives who they've hired out of college, who can speak Gen Z's language and lexicon, who know what's uh, kind of hip and relevant with Gen Z. So they've done that too. Also, as, you, as you've said, there's a timing element to this too, where they're responding so quickly because they've been empowered to. So they're not letting things sit for two or three or four or five days. And by then it's old news. So yes, I agree. If you're a brand where Gen Z is a primary focus or becoming a primary focus, I would empower, I go back to that term I threw out earlier. I would empower some CEOs in your company, CEOs who work at Wendy's or McDonald's or Taco Bell and have them um, have a major role in the content you're putting out there and empower them to be able to, again, respond, respond in a timely manner and respond in a way that Gen Z will actually understand and get and think is kind of interesting and humorous and funny. And that's what leads to engagement. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, uh, thank you so much for that. And so I, I wanna move on to like the last topic that we have for today. Um, and that's talking about like, so there's been numerous statistics and studies that have shown like, um, even though Gen Z can be loyal, they're for brands are traditionally less loyal to brands than other generations, right? Their opinions change often and whatever their idea of what a brand is, how a brand is, um, it changes often. So how would you say a brand should like tackle that? Like get um, like the not ability to like, the fact that Gen Zers don't remain loyal to a brand, how do you think marketers should ta target yeah, that? So, so I think there's a few elements that we did discuss today that I would, would so I'll bring them back. So I think if I'm a brand and if Gen Z is a focus now and for the next 10, 15, 20 years, there's a few things I think you have to do. One is I think you do have to go out and create that Gen Z think tank or incubator just like Target did. Meaning go out, recruit a bunch of Gen Zers and don't put them in the boring traditional internship role. No, 
bring them in to truly inform and inspire products, services, marketing, content. That's number one. Number two, as my co-author with Engaging Gen Z, Michael Pankowski likes to say, Gen Z is the purpose generation. Gen Z is looking for companies and brands to prioritize purpose over profits. And so what we have to do in, ad in addition to like Wendy's being fun and engaging all that, I think brands need to start prioritizing purpose. And we are seeing that this year throughout the pandemic. And we're even seeing that now as we get into 2021. So what does that mean? It means that if you've got a campaign, great. But before you go to market with that campaign, could there be, is there a purposeful element? Is there something that maybe is helping the larger community, the larger world? I'm not going to detail now, but Chipotle launched, Chipotle is a good example. As you know, very, very popular on uh, channels like TikTok. They do a very good job there. Um, they launched a campaign last week with Sean Mendez, popular singer, right? Uh, musician. Yeah. yeah. They, they, to your point with partnerships, there's a Sean Mendez bowl. But unlike Travis Scott, Chipotle created a purposeful element to that bowl. And for every bowl sold, a certain amount is going to go towards a cause. And so that's another element in this mix too. At least everything I've heard, everything I'm seeing, Gen Z being the purpose generation, if you can demonstrate some purpose, if you can demonstrate that you are um, as concerned or more concerned for the community at large and you are doing things to help the community, that will go, I believe, a long way with this generation. So I do think it's a combination of a consistent approach, um, definitely engaging and, and uh, collaborating with Gen Zers, um, both in that kind of um, role as the think tank, but as I like to say, you know, every Gen Zer who works for your company, who graduated from college in the last year or two or three, make them CEOs, make them, empower them to truly, you know, transform and innovate your company. Um, but as you're doing all that, Think about purpose. Think about being purposeful. Think about purposeful actions. And then, um, again, I, I put a lot in there, but it's it's a combination of those things. There's no one, you know, magical way to do it. Yeah, and I think adding on to that, like, we've seen that, like, a lot of companies, when they'll, like, face, they'll come face-to-face -face with these issues, they'll try to remain neutral. Or if they are if they don't remain neutral, they'll try to, like, what they'll do is they'll spend money on it, but that's really it, right? They won't say any. Or maybe like they'll issue, maybe they'll issue a statement or something like that. And um, at, at times it could be like the appropriate response. Like you may not have to do anything more than that, but I've seen like sometimes gen, like Gen Z really wants more, right? They want more action. And, yeah. and I think like, like companies, like when companies actually like recognize like, Hey, like I got to do more than just like hey, issue a statement on my website or issue a statement in the press. And when companies recognize that, um, I, I think then will be probably the best time for like Gen Z to engage them. And that's and probably Gen Z will get, even though Gen Z is statistically less loyal, there are a couple of brands. Like I'm going to like bring up Patagonia because they're very good with their, yes. like, the environmental conscious. Right. So there are a couple of brands like them that are, they're very loyal to. And I think that's very great. Yeah. You, so you, I'll, I'll I know we're, we're wrapping up here. I'll, I'll two things you hit on that are really important. One actions speak louder than words. Right. So you're absolutely right. A statement, a check, it's great, but really bring that to life with purposeful action. And then as you said, Patagonia is another one of those brands when I surveyed Gen Zers, Patagonia is all brought up, always brought up. And I think the re reason why to your point is it, they are genuine, they are authentic about you know their role in the planet, right? And about making our planet 
better, safer, all those kinds of things. But it's always been consistent. It wasn't just, you know, let's do that this month and let's move on from that. So to your point, Gen Z recognizes that genuine, authentic approach. And a brand, even if they don't have that today, they can begin that. But the key is that it has to be, again, authentic. It has to be backed up with action. It has to be sustained. It's not, oh, we're going to try this this month and move on to it next month. No, it has to be a a long-term commitment. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, I, I want to thank you so much for coming on to our podcast and giving all your insights and everything. It, it's really helpful. Well, thank you for having me again. I'm really impressed by you and everything you're doing. And of course, Gen Z uh, on a whole. So uh, thanks for having me. This was great. Yeah. Thank you so much.